Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. This morning my sermon is going to be on equipping. And I want to call to your attention the fact that if you were to go online or look in some of our material, Hoffmantown's material, you'd see that our mission statement says, Our mission is to serve, encourage, and equip God's people in His Word, fulfilling the Great Commission as we follow Him with surrendered hearts. And that comes from Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, which I'm going to read. We can read together. And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In addition to that, several years ago, our elders, and I believe I was there not as an elder but on staff when Bill Hooten brought to the elders, and he said he's, God had given him three S's. And we've made that a part of our church foundation. Surrender, surrendered life, strengthening believers, and serving others. We're going to talk about strengthening today, but each of the S's, in effect, it says in our website, ongoing ministry environments flowing out of one another rather than one graduated point-to-point process. In other words, serving flows out of strengthening, which flows out of surrendering. If there is no surrender, there is no strengthening, there is no service. Strengthening believers, meaning to equip them. In the Ephesians that we just read, it refers to a completed work, that of being fitted and equipped. There's some interesting words that are used in our Bible, the New Testament, that are the same word for equipped. First one is Matthew 4.21, which says, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Mending is the same word as equipping and preparing, getting ready, fitting. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, we read, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. Made complete, equipped, fitted, prepared. And then in Hebrews 13, 20 to 21, Now the God of peace, who brought us up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep throughout the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory in God, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Equipping, to fit, to mend, repair, to train. So when we go back to our mission statement, a part of our mission statement of this church is to equip the saints. I think, first of all, we have to ask, why do we need to be equipped? Which really asks the question, what are we being equipped for? What are we being equipped for? When I think of equipped, I think of being prepared, and I think of the word training. And when I was a college football player, training was brutal. Before school started, two weeks before college, 
started, we came to the University of North Dakota campus in 95 degree heat and 90% humidity. Yes, North Dakota is hot and humid. And we got up every morning, nobody else was on campus at 7 o'clock, had breakfast on the field at 8.30, practiced until 11.30, had lunch back on the field at 1.30, practiced till 4.30, had supper, went to chalk talks that night, going over films and learning our plays. Up the next morning, seven days a week, they did give us Sunday morning off. Now, I think I'm pretty macho having gone through that. But I'm going to show you something else about somebody who's really macho. Ring the bell three times, put your helmet on the ground, you're done. Two minutes, you don't make it! You do it again! You've been tested this hard ever in your life. Never. Winning here is a conscious decision. Make up your mind whether you want to pass or choose to fail. All right, now, gentlemen, I'm going to introduce y'all to something called not being able to breathe. Andrew, come back. Come back to the light. Take all this shaking and all this cold, harness it, turn it into aggression. to your bodies, through your mind, that you can push yourself further than you thought possible. Go get wet! Run! I met my limit, so... That's it. That's a trailer for the movie Lone Survivor, and those are our Navy SEALs. I admit that's a little macho and a little extreme, but I wanted to plant in your minds what it really means to be trained, to be equipped. Those men are so physically trained and in shape that if I went through one day of that, I'd be on life support in an ICU. But they do it because their bodies are trained to endure hardships, to travel long distances in the worst conditions, in the most enemy territory possible, but they're equipped. Not just the physical, though, it's the mental training. You heard them say, you can quit. 
And it's no shame to quit when it's that hard, but they would not quit because they were mentally prepared. And they took that mental training with them out in the field. Along with their physical training, they took their mental training. But behind every seal is also someone who has been equipping them. They also have all the tools necessary, the best, best weapons, the best training. And they also have support. When they go into enemy, enemy territory, it's at night. And somebody drops them in, and that's the special Air Force Special Operations Unit, which, by the way, our own Tim Hale was a colonel in, and had he stayed in the service, he would have brought in SEAL Team 6 that took on Obama, Osama bin Laden. You have support. You have people that bring you in and then extract you from that terrible zone. SEAL teams are not trained to be school crossing guards. They're trained for battle. They're trained for war. They're trained to fight the enemy. Yeah, maybe that's an extreme example, but we are being equipped for an effort that requires preparation and an effort that requires perseverance. Another thing I learned from my training when I was in college playing athletics, there's never an off-season. There may be the football season, but you're always working out, you're always training. So equipping yourself is a daily ongoing process. I wonder how many of us come to church on Sunday and maybe go to a connection class, K-group, and then go home and say, I'm equipped, I'm good, I'm good for a week. And never again consider that they need to be equipped every day. Quiet times are good. The purpose for them is not just to feel good. It's to be equipped. It's to grow and be strengthened in your faith. So Hoffmantown, we know what a soldier is equipped to do, but about all of us, what are we being equipped for? What battle is it that we are being trained for? What war is it? Well, unless you woke up from being in a coma for 10 years, we're in bad shape. This world, this country is in pretty rough shape. I'm not discouraged, but that's reality. The United States has declined morally in a rapid decline. The name of Jesus Christ is, is virtually banned from public conversation. It's politically incorrect to use the word of Jesus Christ. And we can go on feeling sorry for ourselves. I mean, I'm involved in conversations with my friends. Say, oh, my goodness, this isn't the world that I grew up with. Leave it to beavers, long gone. This is a terrible world. Our grandchildren, our children are inheriting a terrible world. That may be true, but that doesn't do anything to fix it. That's not helping anything. We need to understand, and I preached on this maybe a couple years ago. I think I called my sermon The Tale of Two Kingdoms. What it was is that when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. It says in Matthew 3, 8, The devil took him up exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms in the world and their glory. All the kingdoms of the world. And Satan said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written... 
You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The fact that Satan could offer all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus means that he owned them. Remember, we are not kingdoms and we are not citizens of this kingdom. We're not citizens of Satan's kingdom. We're not citizens of this world. You may have a United States passport or whatever, a Philippine passport. That's not your passport. Your passport is eternity in the kingdom of heaven. But we live in this fallen world. Good news. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end when he, Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and authority and power. I would say the authority and power of Satan. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Until then, we are in a battle. Jesus will come back victorious. Jesus will rule and reign. Jesus will conquer Satan. He already conquered him on the cross. This time he's going to wipe him out forever. But until then, we're in a fight. But friends, the battle is not against the Supreme Court. It's not against homosexuals. The battle is not against transgenders. The battle is not against abortionists. The battle is not against atheists or agnostics. The battle is not against government, literal, liberal, doctrinal teachers and professors. That's not who we're at war with. Those are simply symptoms of Satan, and he is our enemy. The real enemy is Satan. Now, Satan is no longer playing nice. He's not undercover. He's open in our face. It's in assaulting the believers, and we should expect it coming. In a way, and I'm careful how I say this, the things that have happened, no prayer in the schools, Roe v. Wade abortion, and the most recent on gay marriage, that's just a wake-up call. That's a big slap in the face that God is saying to us, are you listening? Do you know what's going on? Those are symptoms. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, finally, my brethren, you've heard this a million times. I'm not going to preach about this, but I want you to get this in your hearts. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against supreme courts and homosexuals, etc. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Praying always praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints.
We're in a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle. How do we train for that battle? To begin with, we have weapons. We just read some of them. I'm going to focus on one weapon. The Word. The Word. Looks like a nice, gentle thing, soft leather cover. This is a weapon. And it's mighty and it's powerful. Satan cannot stand against that weapon. Remember when Jesus was tempted? What did Jesus do when Satan tempted them? He read from the Word. And Satan's response was nothing. Satan has no response, he has no defense to the Word. This is our weapon. One thing we do is we read the Word. We teach the Word. Another thing we do is we memorize the Word. I was going to look to find Rob Mann, and I didn't get a chance to. I I hope he'll allow me to say this. Rob Mann is somebody that I really admire. I took a navigator's teaching thing from a guy named John Robb, who's now with the Lord, one of the finest, finest lawyers in this state, probably in this country. makes me proud to be a lawyer. He's now gone to be with the Lord. And 30-some years ago when I was in law school... Every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m., we met in his office, and we went through a navigator study. And we had these little cards that we had to memorize. And we had five the first week, then another five more. That's been 38 years. And I still memorize. I still have those memorized, most of them. And they're there for me. I think Rob Mann has memorized the whole Bible. And I say that about Rob and much less about myself, that when Rob lost his wonderful sweet wife Charlene, and when I lost, when we lost our daughter Ellen, there was support, there was encouragement. But what sustained Rob, I know he'd say this, and what sustained us was the Word. And I didn't have to go to the Bible and try, where was that, where was that again? About, I had it in my heart. I need to memorize more. But that's how we equip ourselves by, Thy word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against me. A part of our equipping is to defend ourselves. Those seals, when they're attacked, they know how to defend. This country has a department of defense. We're perhaps the most powerful country in the history of the world. But also, when it comes to attack, we can do that. But when Satan comes against you, your defense is this. It's not how many years you've sat in church. It's not how many times you've been to Sunday school. It's not how much money you've put in the offering plate. It's what you've laid up in your heart. That's your defense. Thy word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The enemy knows each one of your weaknesses. We've all got similar weaknesses, but some of us have our own specific weaknesses. And Satan knows where to stick that knife and twist it. He knows which button to push. He knows our weaknesses. And that's when we feel defenseless. Oh, Lord, I can't get past that sin. Yes, we can. That's our weapon. The major job of every pastor and teacher in this church is committed to equipping us in the Word. To prepare us for battle. Those drill sergeants were not trying to make friends and be the best buddies to those SEAL trainees. They did whatever it took. Now, our pastors are a lot nicer than those SEAL team, but their job is to equip us. 
Equipping literally begins in the crib. My wife, Susie, we have four grandchildren. She has little folders for each one of our grandchildren. When they were old enough just to barely able to understand, she started with their memory verses. And each page has a memory verse written on big chief paper with big pencils. And they'll memorize it, and when they recite it to her, they get a sticker. And when they come over, they look forward to that. We have in this facility people like Eric Brewer, the pastor of the children's area, who is devoted and dedicated to teaching your children, our children, the Word. They they have color crayons, they play games, but it's all about the Word. They're being equipped. I believe that I've seen it when those you dedicated people that are in the nursery rocking those little babies, changing their diapers, you're singing hymns to them, you're praying with them, you're telling them about Jesus. Do they understand? I think so. You're equipping them. The reason we're equipping our children is because they are under attack. They are being attacked at school. It doesn't start in college. It starts in grade school. They're being taught things that are contrary to this word. They're being attacked by their friends who think that Christianity is stupid. And Eric and every one of the teachers and assistant teachers whom I praise are there equipping those little ones to have the weapons that they need to survive and thrive. Jason Hedgecock, youth pastor. You saw him on the video taking the team to Romania. He is also dedicated to equipping your young people, our young people. I I jotted some notes down. Remember that student, uh, Ms. Tipton? She said the most powerful thing about being there was what? God's Word. She said it wasn't about her growing, it was about her sharing. They were equipped. They didn't go there saying, well, what are we going to do? Gee, I don't know anything. They were equipped by this church to go forth. These people standing in front of us, the Uganda team, and the teams that have gone before them, didn't say, well, we're going to go to Uganda and see what happens, kind of check it out and wander around and hope something happens. They're, they're on a purpose. They're on a goal. They're fixed, and they're ready. They're equipped. And what we did this morning wasn't make them any smarter or teach them any more words. We came alongside them. Because just like those SEAL teams, they don't do it alone. There's support. There's people behind them. There's those helicopters. There's everything. But they're on the front lines, and we commissioned them. An officer is commissioned in the armed forces, and their commission is to defend this country with their lives if necessary. Our young people, especially the college students, the ones going to college, are really under attack. Professors who we would look up to and expect to teach us are teaching our young people there is no God, postmodernism. It's not even postmodernism anymore, it's post Christianity. The colleges and universities, and I won't name them, everybody would like to go to, you know the names, are the worst. And when I say liberal, I don't mean Democrat versus Republican, anything like that. I'm talking about liberal anti God. Man is powerful. 
Man is everything. There is no truth except what you want it to be. And you've heard me say this before. Creationism has to cease because if there is a creator, then there's somebody bigger than man. So if there's evolution, then we built ourselves up, came down from the trees and the mud and the blood and the beer, and we're important, and that's pride. Young people are being challenged. Remember Daniel and his friends? Young Jewish boys captured by Nebuchadnezzar, taken to Babylon, and they were challenged. They were put in the king's court. They were told, you have to eat the king's food. They didn't eat any McBabylon burgers. They didn't eat that. It was probably... Probably food or meat um, offered to idols. They refused to. They stood on God's word. And they were a witness to that pagan society. I could go on. Diane Christensen, leader of our women's, is doing a wonderful job. You women are critical. I'm so proud of you. You are the backbone, a part of this church that cannot be replaced. You are warriors in places that men don't go. And you are out there, and you're being equipped. Gregory Elder, men's pastor, men, we need to be better equipped. We need to be SEAL team members. We need to be strong. We need to be leaders. We need to be warriors. Let's get equipped. Bill McCulloch and Ken Shirley work with the K group leaders and Bible fellowship people. If you go to a Bible fellowship, a K group, you're going to be taught the word, you're going to be equipped. And I want to tell you something else. If you don't go to a, what we used to call connection class, now K-group, Koinonita, I can't even say it, Adult Bible Fellowship. And by the way, if you're an early morning person, there's 8 o'clock Bible Fellowship classes. Great ones. There's some apostasy ones too, but that's... There are, you need to go. I shouldn't tell you what to do. I would encourage you. When you leave here, either before you get here or after you leave here, go to one of those fellowship groups to be equipped. I'm sure I left things out, but I think we had an example of the missions being equipped and the effectiveness of it. And I don't want to leave out anybody, especially our senior pastor, Eric Christensen. And I'm going to say something that's going to make people feel uncomfortable, and that's okay. One of the saddest things I witnessed was I was on staff and I watched when Wayne Barber came to this church who drilled into the Word, taught us, deepened our thinking and our understanding, equipped us, and people left in droves because they didn't like his style. Really? Too much Bible? Too much Greek? Really? Eric is criticized of that, but I'll tell you something right now. I want a pastor to lead this church who is equipping us in the Word and not entertaining us. Then I hear, John, I haven't gone to Chafer Theological Seminary. But you can. John, I don't know. I'm not really good in the Bible. What can I do? You don't need to have memorized the Bible. You don't need. You should be equipped as much as you can, but God will use you right where you're at. Because we're worried about Iran going nuclear. We are nuclear. 
we have two nuclear bombs, the Word and the Holy Spirit. Nothing can stand against them. And you have the Spirit of Christ in you. Jesus says in the word of Colossians 3.15, let the word of Christ dwell in you. You are nuclear. You have every tool, every power in you, and being equipped to stand against the devil and to be victorious. Who is in you? Jesus Christ. Creator. Creator. In the beginning was the word and word was with God. And all that was made was made through the word of God. That's Jesus. And he says, I dwell in you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Jesus raised people from the dead. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. That's the power you have in you. That's why you're nuclear. You've got the weapons. And we need to stay trained. And get better and stronger. But all you got to do is pull the trigger. Because you're ready. It's scary out there. Let me quote from Franklin Graham. I just read this on his post. Franklin Graham says, For some time now I've been warning about the coming storm of religious persecution and oppression in America. Over the course of the past year, I've become increasingly convinced that the storm is no longer just approaching. It is hard upon us. The threats to the historic and sacred history of our nation's religious liberty are advancing on several prominent fronts. The only hope, and don't use the word only, I'm going to take that out. Our hope is a spiritual awakening. There is transformation power in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Power to change hearts and souls, even cultures, as redeemed men and women live holy, uncompromising lives for Christ. And I insert their equipped men and women. We're going to be tested. James tells us that the testing of your faith produces patience or perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That means equipped. So the battle is upon us, but we need not despair. You're kids of the king. You're God. Your Savior is the creator of all that ever was and ever is and ever will be. Remember that when you're in a battle and you're in a foxhole, you have a partner in that foxhole, and his name is Jesus. And I say this with all reverence, and Jesus is saying to you, I got your back, Jack. He's there. You are SEAL Team Hoffmantown. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.